everyone loves to talk about electric cars. And based on the success of Tesla, it seems like everyone wants to drive one. The strange thing is no one really wants to buy them. Less than 2% of the cars sold in the U.S. this year were electric. After years of false starts, are we finally on the cusp of a revolution? I'm Alex Yule. This week on The Readback, we're joined again by Jack Howe. Hey, Jack. Hello. Jack, what kind of car do you drive? Well, you're, you're starting right off the bat with a gotcha question, because I know you want to talk about electric cars. I'm quite optimistic about them over the long term, but as you know, I am an outspoken advocate of the minivan. Oh, I do. Very much a gas-guzzling car, by the way. Well, I mean, you know, it depends how many people you have packed into it. I like to think, you know, I do, I compost, so I offset that with uh, other activities. You compost in the minivan? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> All right. So what really strikes me about the electric car story is certainly how much attention it gets at Barron's. I mean, we talk about this a lot. Everyone wants to read about Tesla. But you look at the numbers and electric cars are still such a small part of the market. I mean, it's basically less than 2% of cars sold so far this year have been electric. And most of them are Tesla. Why is that? Well, we're not there yet in terms of the infrastructure, in terms of people having a place to charge these vehicles. And, and also, people associate electric cars with like wimpy putt-putt cars. They don't really understand what these are going to become. I think it's very simple, the case for electric cars. I mean, first of all, there's a physics case to be made that you shouldn't have an individual power plant under the hood of each car. If you can create power centrally and distribute it on the electric grid and charge each car, it's just more efficient, right? Okay. The reason we've been driving gasoline cars for, you know, 100 years is because we didn't have enough of a power grid when cars were first created. The first cars were battery-powered cars. Right. Would it be sort of like every house having an individual generator? Exactly. And I say, you can look at two things if you want to see the future for electric cars. First, walk down the power tool aisle at Home Depot, right? People have been using battery-powered weed whackers for many years, but you'll see more and more tools there, chainsaws, leaf blowers, robust tools that are boasting gas-like power. They're getting better and better. The capacity of these batteries is getting larger. The tools are becoming more powerful. And the second thing I would say is, if you're someone who visits a theme park, just pay attention to the difference between a, a ride that has a, a chain drive, like the old-fashioned roller coasters, and one that's an electric propulsion roller coaster. The, the second of those will pin your head to the seat. That's right, yeah. When people eventually buy electric cars, the people who want macho vehicles, they're going to do it because they're going to see how fast the acceleration of these vehicles really is. So actually, electric cars have more performance than even these big eight-cylinder gas engines. They are ridiculously better when it comes to acceleration. Right, yeah. right. How much of the electric car issue and the sort of lack of sales so far is the fact that most of these cars are still sedans and Americans just don't want sedans? That's a really interesting question. Demand for sedans has fallen off of a cliff, I mean, out of nowhere. Like, you know, people are buying SUVs, especially, you know, crossover SUVs, and, and they're still buying pickup trucks here in the U.S., and... Nobody seems to want sedans anymore. Right. So maybe that has something to do with it. But of course, when you look at the flood of electric vehicles that are coming, there's an enormous number of these things that will appear over the next five years. A huge percentage are crossover SUVs. So you're going to see a lot more choices on the road. And by the way, that's one of the reasons why I think, although I'm sure that we are headed for roads dominated by electric cars in the future, yeah. I think the near term to intermediate term for investors is going to be pretty bumpy. I think huh. many of these manufacturers will not do well at all on their electric car programs 
early on because there's just going to be far more supply than demand. Okay, so do you think we're going to go from a 2% world to a, say, 10% world of electric cars in the near future, but car makers will just make too many of them, so there'll be too much inventory? Or people still aren't even going to buy them at all? I think what's happening right now is every car manufacturer is looking at what's going on at Tesla. They're saying, well, there's some demand for these vehicles, but there's also a lot of glamour on Wall Street around yes, this company. The right. stock's running up and they're saying, well, our shares have been stuck here forever. We need to get an electric car program going to convince our investors that we're future-proof. And so they're coming out with these programs. I mean, partly they want to be future-proof because they know that this is coming down the road. But I think everyone's in this rush now to show that they've got something going on with electric cars. And I think that's probably going to flood the market. How excited are you? I know you're supposed to ask the questions here, but how excited are you about that Cybertruck that Tesla's going to make? Welcome to the Cybertruck Unveil. I mean, that thing is not attractive, but maybe our taste will change in the coming years. It's, uh, it's got a unique shape to it. It does. What else can we do with this truck? What if we what if we shot it? Let's 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 shoot it. I think it's important because I mean, look, maybe that thing's all for show, but Ford has talked about its coming electric F one fifty. The best selling car in America, by the way, I think. Right. And GM's gonna come out with its own uh, you know, electric pickup truck. It's such an important development because pickup trucks are like, for Ford, it's like 100% of its profitability in wow. North America, which is its most most profitable market. I, you know, I think it's a story best told by referring to a massage I recently received in a friend's F-150, a, a backside massage. I have seats that warm up in my minivan. I sat in his seat and it started warming up, and then I I felt some some motion. <laughs> what's the what's the best way to say this? Some motion down below that I wasn't expecting. Uh-huh. And he had turned on this massaging feature on the on the on the seat. Just a party trick. Yeah, I guess so. But you know, if you if you drive long distances, maybe that helps with circulation, uh-huh. what have you. But the point is, is that and you ran out to buy that car. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, I I just bought the seat and I put it in my minivan. Okay. That's a truck that starts tens of thousands of dollars lower, but you can pay up to $70,000 when you're putting these features into it. And many people do. These are, And these trucks aren't all driven by people who need trucks. Sometimes they're just driven by people who want the showiest truck around. And so, a massage. And, and a massage. So they are enormously profitable for Ford and GM. And it concerns me, although I you know, think both companies are cheap and they're both as prosperous as they've ever been, it concerns me that we might see some upfront development costs in this area of electric pickup trucks without the revenue that would go with that at first, and it might bring down the profitability of the program. Yeah, I mean, I think based on some data, I've seen that GM, Ford, and Chrysler together are going to spend something like $40 billion in the coming years on these electric vehicles. So that, that you need a lot of sales to make up for that. Yeah. And if we want to get super futuristic and look like decades down the road, I think it's a three-legged stool that you get with these autonomous vehicle programs, these self-driving cars, which people think of as nonsense now, but it will happen because people are terrible drivers. People do not have 
the attention span and, and the emotional stability to just be good drivers yeah. all the time. Yeah. So the bar is low for the for the robots, and the robots will end up driving the cars. But what happens is, if you look at like ride hailing services like Uber, right? The most expensive part of those services right now are the drivers, mm -hmm. right? Once you have electric vehicles that can drive themselves, right? Electric vehicles are expensive, but if they can drive around the clock because you don't need a driver, then they become cheap because you've got all those miles where you're not paying for gasoline. Mm -hmm. And you do that once autonomous is working, and then you cut out the driver from the ride-hailing services, and then that becomes cheaper, and suddenly that becomes very competitive with car ownership, and the entire world changes. People don't own cars anymore. Cars drive themselves. You call for one on a phone app. I don't know what we're going to do with all this garage space. I think I'm going to go into the business of turning garages into like indoor golf simulators or something like that when this happens. But the point is, I would not be the least bit surprised to see the world of driving dramatically change, but we're talking 30, 40 years, not near term enough for uh, investability, I don't think. Are you telling me electric vehicles are actually just bad business? There are ways that you can invest, but I think right now, I mean... Somebody who's a big believer in Tesla will tell you that Tesla is still a great deal, even, yeah. at, even at this stock price. I get worried when a stock has run up this far, and I get worried when the competition is heating up and there's not really robust, reliable cash flow yet. A company needs to spend a lot of money to continue to freshen up the vehicles that it already has. I mean, it feels a lot like, not to, to bring kind of a very different industry, but it feels a lot like the streaming industry in that, and you have kind of Tesla and Netflix being the innovators. And then everyone starts copying them, and suddenly, at some point, that Netflix's stock starts falling, and the legacy guys start catching up. Is that what's going to happen here? I think it's a really good comparison. These are technologies that people like. We can see they have bright futures, but they also have near terms that are going to require a lot of spending. And I think there's going to be some investment cases that don't really pan out. And there are other ways to invest. I mean, you can invest in companies that mine lithium for the batteries, like mm -hmm. Abel, Albemarle. You can invest in companies that make the batteries themselves, like LG Chemical in Korea. A company like Borg Warner is interesting because they make components for all kinds of cars, conventional gasoline cars, but also hybrid electric cars and fully mm -hmm. electric cars. And they'll tell you that their, their content per vehicle, the dollar amount of things that they put in the vehicles, will go up as we shift to electric cars. We'll see how that works out. But that's a, an, an example of a company that can stay relevant each step along and the And so then you're sort of betting on the arms dealer, sort of. It, exactly. But when it comes to the car manufacturers themselves, it makes me nervous that there might be this kind of spending race, this upfront investment race. And we can look and see vehicles coming from you know, BMW and Porsche and, and all these other – and that high-end luxury vehicle, I mean, that's kind of the sweet spot for Tesla. Yeah. This is their customers that could be persuaded to go for, you know, Audi, Mercedes, any of these brands. So you're going to see more than 100 new electric vehicles in showrooms over the next several years. And almost half of those are going to be crossover vehicles. And you're going to see, you know, some of the manufacturers, these are not just the Tesla of the world. You're going to see Audi, BMW, Mercedes, all these familiar brands. What I'm eager to see, and I don't really know how this is going to play out, Tesla has an early lead in electric cars. Is that something that sticks? Does it continue to be the brand that you go to for electric cars? Or do you go to the luxury car maker? If you're a Mercedes person, do you go to Mercedes? Is their electric car going to be good enough to compete with a Tesla? You know, that remains to be seen. But 
It's just the flood of competition that I'm a little concerned about yeah. for investors. What's always fascinating me about Tesla is that they've sort of had the monopoly on cool when it comes to electric cars and the competition so far, you know, the GM Chevy Bolt and the Nissan Leaf, their versions of electric cars have just been kind of these small dinky cars that no one would really want. I mean, they probably drive well and they're affordable. Is the coolness going to catch up on Tesla, do you think? Well, you're asking the right person because I am an expert on how people become and stay cool. That's um, true. That, that's why I asked. But in this case, I mean, how sticky is that coolness? I'm not sure I can answer the question of what keeps companies cool, but I do know it's really important for the investment case because if you're buying one of these cars, you're going to shell out fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars. If I'm putting that money into a Mercedes and a Mercedes is cool now, then I'm pretty sure that a Mercedes will still be cool, you know, seven or eight years down the road or whenever I'm planning to sell that vehicle. It matters for the residual value, right? right? right. And since many people lease their cars, the price of your lease is dependent on forecasts for residual values. So whoever the financing arm is that's handling your lease, they actually need to do that coolness forecast that right. you're talking about. Yeah. They need to, you know, if, if you're going to lease a Tesla, they need to say, uh, is a Tesla still going to be cool? You know, what kind of residual value are we going to get when this driver turns this car in years down the road? And of course, we don't really know the answer for Tesla yet, right? I mean, the Model 3, their more affordable electric vehicle, is only about two years old now. The, the, you know, the, the, the oldest of those cars have probably only been on the road for two years. So they haven't even turned over yet. We, we don't know exactly what they'll be worth, I guess, right? Right. Although we've got to give the company some credit just for how far they've come so far. I mean, this is no flash in the pan, right? This, no, I think they're beyond fat at this point. Right. This is still a buzzy company and people love it. And when you see Teslas go by, uh, you know, they're unique and uh, I guess they have crowd appeal still. So, I mean, it's certainly better than your minivan. Well, that's, uh, I think that's debatable. You know, my nine-year-old might agree with you. My five-year-old still thinks I'm pretty darn cool in that minivan. Especially when you use the automatic door opener, right? <laughs> it's like magic. All right. Thanks so much, Jack. Thank you. To read our ongoing coverage of Tesla, electric cars, and the automobile market, check out Barron's.com. I'm Alex Yule. The show is produced by Meta Litzhoft. From everyone at Barron's, happy holidays. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com.